The reading this morning is Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. It can be found on page 994 in the Red Bibles. And we have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back of the church. And page numbers for those are on the screen. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they cried, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, Keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much indeed, Helen. Let's uh, you do keep your Bibles open with you and we'll look at this together. I'll uh, pray for us, first of all. Father, we pray that we would be attentive to your words this morning and this message, and we would understand ourselves and your kingdom and your return rightly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, My uh, family, as you know, um, or many of you will know, on Caroline's side, are from Northern Ireland. and for many years now, we've had uh, holidays um, uh, in different parts of whether it's Northern Ireland or the, or the far west of Ireland, lots of beautiful country. And there is a, a phrase which um, Caroline's dad, uh, for over many years, has, has used, which is this phrase here, um, shall we bring a flask? Now, when you're going for a, a you know, you're, you've gone to the... A, 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 bit, a seaside holiday in Northern Ireland or, or the West Coast, and you, you look out the window and you see the, the rain gently falling, uh, and you think, well, we've got to go for a walk, we've got to go and do something. Um, and so you get your coats on and you wrap up, and, and, uh, and Caroline's dad will say, you know, well, shall we bring a flask? And we all troop down, and you kind of go on this walk, perhaps it's towards the, the coast, the beach, and you, you kind of get there, and you're, you're just hoping that the... The situation is going to be that when you get there, it'll have been worth having a flask so that you can sit down 
and have a cup of tea, and that it'll all have been worth it. They're, they're kind of bundled up as you're uh, along the clifftop, and the, and the wind is coming at you, and the rain is coming. It'll be worth it. In fact, at our wedding, um, in, uh, uh, when Caroline's dad gave his uh, father of the bride speech, uh, one of his jokes was to get out a flask and make it his gift to us as welcoming me into a Northern Irish family, was that you would need this essential piece of kit. Um, Shall we bring a flask? The story we have here, Jesus uh, telling um, a a, a parable, a story about these 10 virgins. Let me just kind of orient where we are because we've been moving through. Actually, this this is really the last stop in Matthew's gospel. From now, we're then into the Easter story Uh, Palm Sunday next week, and then the events that we'll look through from Matthew's Gospel um, just in leading up to and then Easter Day. I said last week that the the section that we had dipped into was showing there was this kind of widening gap between those who were for or against Jesus, um, this widening division uh, between uh, uh, those who were for him, those who were against him. And then we've come, there is this little section, the last stop along the way is this teaching section, chapters 24 and 25, where Jesus talks about his return. And it makes sense, if you like, because just before we get to those final key events, a couple of chapters where he says, look, this is what it's going to be like. This is what my return will be like. This is how to wait. This is how to be ready. It's the last teaching stage. And we're just dipping into it here with this one particular parable where we're thinking about what it means to be ready, to be ready for that, or to stay ready for that. And you can see why he gives them that teaching just before then the events of his passion, his death, uh, and ultimately his resurrection. So that's where we are. And the story itself, which we just had read, I don't think it's too difficult to kind of link up some of the pieces um, and I've just sort of put them out here um, for us. The story is one, as you can see, of a, a bridegroom uh, who is coming. Um, and uh, it speaks of, if you like, Jesus' second coming. So it sort of points us in that direction. We're thinking about his second coming, um, his first coming being the incarnation. The virgins here, and we'll talk a little bit more about these details in a second. The virgins here are, uh, are the Christian community. What happens? The virgins... Um, what's the easiest way to understand them is they are are like bridesmaids. I don't know if they are absolutely identical to how we would think of bridesmaids. But here here are the friends of the bride, uh, those who gathered to support her. Um, So they are, if you like, the Christian community waiting. And in those times, what would normally happen is it would be the bridegroom who would arrive um, at uh, at the house They would gather together, and then they would go together in a sort of evening or nighttime torchlight procession back to his house. We often think, don't we, about waiting for the bride to come to the service and, you know, sort of sitting looking at the clock and seeing how late the bride is going to be. But it's not quite the same. So here it's they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. They would gather, and then they would go, and hence the bit about torches, which we'll see in just a moment. They would go... Um, And they would go back to his house. And the the heart of this story is that there is a delay. So just like we might be in here, and I've stood here a good number of times, looking at a clock, waiting for a bride, and we sometimes kind of get twitchy at a delay. The, The heart of this story is there is a delay, and the bridegroom hasn't appeared yet. And obviously Jesus has things he wants to tell us about what it means for us to wait 
uh, for his return. And then, of course, lastly, there are those who are shut out of this event. And we'll think about that towards the end and the judgment that Jesus is talking about, that final judgment. So these pieces of the story I don't think are too hard to put together, but it's the message in a way um, and, and what we need to wrestle with ourselves um, is the, uh, the challenging bits um, of this story. And the first thing we're going to think about, we, we are thinking a lot this morning about being ready. We'll think about being ready for a long delay. Uh, we'll think about how someone else can't get you ready. And we'll think about when it's too late to be ready. Okay. First one, ready for a long delay. What he's saying is, is that being wise, he has this category of being wise. Being wise is actually being ready for a long delay. So let's look at these verses again. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Just if you're wondering, they all became drowsy, so both the wise and the foolish. So the issue here isn't one of falling asleep or not. Might have been wise to have had some sleep if they were waiting. And the issue is not that. Um, At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. So why were they foolish? They were foolish very simply because they just weren't prepared for the bridegroom to be delayed. They just weren't prepared. for the, They didn't think the bridegroom would be delayed. They didn't have any, as he says here. They didn't take any oil with them. They just weren't prepared. Didn't think it would be a, a reality. Why are the others wise? Why are the five wise ones wise? Because, verse 4, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. They, took, they were prepared. They thought there could be a delay. Um, we never leave the house these days without taking everybody's coat. There are five of us in our family. Everybody's coat has to come. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the weather is, even if the weather is amazing. Um, are we going out somewhere in the car? Yes, we're going out somewhere in the car. Okay, have we all got the coats? No, let's go back in the house and get all the coats. We have to put the coats, even if they just go in the back of the car. Why is this? About, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, whenever it was, we broke down on the M25. We had gone out. The weather had seemed all right. We broke down. We had then stood and waited by the side of this car with it getting colder, and we weren't prepared for there to be a delay. We, had not, we just hadn't thought that would be a reality. We now do not leave without a set of coats. Seriously, the gathering up of coats. Occasionally we arrive somewhere and one person hasn't got their coat. There are recriminating looks. <laughs> I wonder, do we think about the long haul of the Christian life? In some ways, what he's saying is quite simple. Do we think about the delay of Jesus' return, that the Christian life may be all of our lived lives? Do we think about, do we prepare for our spiritual life in our, let me pick the right place to start, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? Do we think about that? 
Or do we think, as I fear I do sometimes, that the Christian life is somewhere in your 20s, maybe, you fill up the tank spiritually, and then you do your very best to hope that the tank is going to last until you get to your 80s. You know, in some respects, I think that's how they used to think about um, training vicars, just for reference. I don't think they do quite so much these days, but in a sense, yes, well, you, you're going to be a vicar. We'll send you off to, here's three years at college. Let's fill up the tank, and let's do our very best to hope that you're not spiritually nowhere in your 70s. Do we think about the long haul... We may not be, now don't hear me wrong, we may not be where we want to be spiritually yet, but are we even thinking, how will I get to be there? How will I get to be in my 70s or my 80s and still loving the Lord, still wanting to read his word, the Bible, still trusting in him, still thinking, I want to shape my priorities around what he values Am I planning for that? We'll come back and think a little bit more about what that might mean in just a bit. Do you see, in lots of ways, it's a very, very simple. They just didn't have any oil with They weren't prepared. They didn't think the delay would be that long. So they hadn't done anything to help themselves when they got to that point. Second. Someone else can't get you ready. Um, have a look at what happens in verse 7. This is, I think this is the standout bit that sort of, well, slightly catches us. At midnight, the cry rings out. Verse 6, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. All the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Now, what do the foolish ones do in verse uh, 7, 8? Of course, they say, give us some of your oil to the, uh, to the wise ones. Our lamps are going out. No, they reply, they may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. The wise virgins can't help the foolish ones. I don't think he's saying that there was some sort of, um, you know, they were being mean and saying, well, no, we're not giving you any of ours. They say, really, the, the way the torches worked, you, you had to have the oil. They didn't burn for that long. You had to have the oil with you. Then you would burn. It just wasn't going to work that way. They can't get the others ready. You can't just hang on the coattails of someone else's faith. I suspect you probably can for a while, but it won't last. Um, when I was teaching Benjamin, our eldest, to ride a bike um, a long uh, time ago now, I guess he's about five, I guess. When, when do you learn to ride a bike? About then. So you know how you do, you find yourself, if you've ever done this with a child, you're sort of somehow holding the back of the saddle and, the, and maybe the, kind of vaguely the front as well, and you're sort of running along. I think you look like a sort of, you know, antelope or something trying to run along the side. And Benjamin was there. Now, Benjamin was quite anxious about it and didn't really like the learning of riding a bike process. And I would say to him as we were going along, Benjamin, you need to look up. Can you look ahead of you? Can you look at where you're going? And he's like... No. Um, 
And we're running along, and I'm, I'm running along. I said, Benjamin, look, please just, just look up. This isn't going to work. Look up. And he, as we get to the, he's, he's, we're, he's kind of trying to go, he says, Daddy, can't you just look for me? Spiritually, no, not over the long haul. Can't you just look for me? You can't, you can't rely on someone else's faith. Now, notice I'm not, I'm not again, don't mishear me. The Bible, the New Testament has much to say about how we do this together in community and the vital nature of that. And in fact, as I say, there is a picture of the Christian community here, but our, our relationship with Jesus has to be our own. And it's so often, I guess, who are the people whom we most likely rely on? Well, my family member, my brother or my sister, they have faith, so I'll probably be all right. My spouse, they're the one with the faith, so I think, you know, I'm sure I'll just get there. A friend, a family member, it has to be our own. Someone else can't get you ready. Not saying we don't do that in community, doesn't say that we we don't um, support at one another, but as we'll see, there has to be a relationship that is ours. Third, when it's too late to be ready. So often Jesus has a sting in the uh, tail of these stories, so let's have a look at the last few verses. While they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I think the surprise in these verses, if you can see them, is, is that Jesus says, I don't know you. So he doesn't come and say, you didn't have the oil. Um, he doesn't come and say, uh, look, you haven't done the right things. Do you notice he says, I don't know you. It's a relational thing. So let's kind of just put some parameters. This isn't um, a sudden rejection of somebody who lifelong uh, has, has sought to, to know Jesus and enter the kingdom. And if you hear this, and you're, if you're somebody who thinks... But I, I've, I've been trying to, I, I love the Lord and I've been trying to know him all my life and I'm worried, I'm anxious that he's, you know, this, suddenly I'm going to find that I'm, I'm cast out. It's not you. But it is, if you look, he's saying, truly I tell you, I don't know you. And it's as if he's saying to them, look, the door is closed because you know you never really knew me. You know that you might have looked the part, but you never really knew me. And so the door is closed. It's reminded me this week, actually, of the, of the seed that falls on rocky soil. Um, we, we've been on a journey through Matthew. It came up earlier on, another part of Jesus' teaching. The seed that falls on different soils, the the seed that sort of springs up initially 
but it doesn't last because Jesus says it doesn't have any roots. And so in the end, the long haul, the long-lived Christian life sort of exposes that actually it wasn't really, there was nothing really there. Therefore, says Jesus, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. He's picturing this, this need to be ready for, the, for a long delay. How are we going to stay ready then? This, I, I, sp- I guess this is the question that I really want us to, to, to land with and leave with um, this morning. How are you going to stay ready? How am I going to stay ready? Um, I think it's, it's something that we have to kind of come to the Lord with ourselves. I think we have to, uh, to be honest with him about where we are. It's interesting. He's, it's a relational thing. So it's not saying... You, know, you can have a stormy relationship with a friend, but you've got a relationship with them. You can have a difficult relationship with someone, but you've got a relationship with them. So he's not saying that uh, it's, it's not a value judgment on the kind of relationship you have with Jesus or where you are, but he's saying, are you in it with me or not? Or actually, are you just, you know, you, you, know you don't really know me. Let me give you some practical uh, examples. Some of these will seem very simple, I think, and humble. Um, humble? Uh, you know, ordinary. Um, how are you going to keep yourselves? How is it not going to be just that I filled up the tank in my, in my late teens or my 20s? When is the, uh, when's the last Christian book that you read that might really stretch you, help you? When is the last Christian book that you read you thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this because I, I, I do want to, kind of, I want to know Jesus better. Um, people are writing, there are, there are terrific books around. I think there might even be a, a bookstall today. Are you somebody who's connected to a small group but not really there? Do you know, honestly, that you kind of need to get back to your women's Bible study group? That you need to get back to your house group? Uh, you need to get along to platform? You need to, to, to exercise that muscle of listening to uh, the words of the Lord Jesus, trying to wrestle with them, a muscle that you can kind of keep using and build up as time goes on. Do you just need to spend some time in prayer this week? Spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to be ready for a delay. I, I, I can see that this may, this may take a while. I want to know you. I want to be with you. And I want to do so in my 70s and my 80s. And Lord, how am I going to get there? Being ready, being wise here is just about being ready for a long delay. It's having that, that understanding and knowing that someone else can't get you ready and that you can, if you're kind of trundling along thinking, I'll sort it out later, that there's no last-minute fix that comes in at the end because you really won't want to by then. But it's also, finally, about these wise virgins um, and buried there in um, verse 10 um, is, I guess, the reason why this might be worthwhile. Jesus is telling them this on the, just the eve of the events that will take him to the cross. And the eve of the events where he, in, in a sense, 
He will go through that process of darkness. He'll go through that process of being closed out and shut out by his father. And he's doing it so that we can have a relationship with him, so that those of us who know we've not been there with the Lord can come to him and say, Lord, I'm really sorry, I do want to, uh, I want to restore this relationship with you. And he does it so that that is possible. And he does it so that we might then join him at the wedding banquet. There was a wedding that uh, took place here yesterday. Um, you know, all the festivities that go with a wedding banquet, uh, a wedding meal. The bridegroom who arrives, the virgins who go in with him to the wedding banquet. Um, there, there is that moment when you are on your walk uh, in Ireland and it has been raining and you've asked yourself if it was worth it and you've sort of beaten back the storm and you somehow made it to the, the sort of little beach and you found it to a, to a sort of vaguely sheltered place. And then remarkably, the clouds break and the sun comes out and you say to yourself, gosh, it's actually quite warm, isn't it? And the rug is out and you get out the flask and you pour a cup of tea and you have one of those caramel wafery biscuits that you always have on picnics and you think to yourself, this is absolutely glorious and this was worth being ready for. And Jesus says there is a wedding banquet and it is worth coming into. It is worth preparing for and being alert for and ready for. And it has that glorious moment, like the sun coming out and a cup of tea and you sit together and you know it was worth being ready for. Shall we bring a flask? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we think of you uh, teaching through your son on the eve of uh, his passion, his death and resurrection, the need to urge his followers to be ready. So I just, we'll take a, just 30 seconds just to reflect in our own hearts, perhaps what that might mean for us. Father, help us be ready. Amen.